What we're talking about in this series is regifting. And uh, you've probably all done it. You get a gift that's maybe expensive or maybe nice, but you don't know uh, if you can use it. Maybe you have too much of it. Maybe uh, you, you get it and it's not your size or your style or whatever, but you want to hold on to it because you know somebody who may like it, okay? And, and so it's called regifting, and, and uh, you know, so maybe you might look, you know, frown upon it. Maybe you might, you know, be fine with it or whatever, but what God has done is he's given us these great and precious promises. He's given us these gifts. And in Advent, we focus on four of them. Uh, hope, peace, joy, and love. And our job is not only to receive it, because a lot of times it's, first of all, difficult to receive from God. It's difficult to receive his peace. It's, re- it's difficult to receive his hope, because oftentimes we think that we're in control. And so when we think we're in control, we, 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 we tighten the pipe of God's peace and hope and joy and love because we're trying to do it all ourselves. One time we had, uh, we were, we were uh, turning on the water at the kitchen sink and it's just like, you know, whoop, whoop. And I'm going, man, what is going on? And so we realized we had to repipe the house. And so uh, it was a pain, but my brother-in-law knew how to do it. And so we tear out, you know, parts of the walls and we're putting in copper and we take out a, a piece of that pipe and you couldn't see through it because the, the, the flow kind of went, all, it was just like this little pinhole of, of flow, but there was so much corrosion and so much stuff in there that, that it, the, the, the water just, just went through this tiny little hose. And so that, that's what happens with us. Is that when we try to control, when we try to do things ourselves, we, we constrict that God's flow of peace and love and hope and joy. It's not that there isn't enough. There's always enough. But that we're restricted. And when we're restricted, it's very difficult for us to get enough to re-give. And so just like replumbing a house, we're supposed to be in a posture of humility. A posture that says, Lord, whatever you want, uh, you can have. Like the song we just sang. You can have it all, Lord. You can have it all. Whatever you need to take, whatever you need to give, you can have it all. What that, that does is it puts us in a posture to receive more peace. So that we can give it out. To receive more hope. So that we can give it out. And this morning, we're going to talk about uh, receiving more joy. The, uh, again, Toys for Tots, why should this year be any different than any other year? I'm usually a bit nervous uh, because, as uh, you know, I'm kind of a control freak. And so, uh, but it's been possible for me to be in control of all this stuff. And so, um, and so it's a big risk for our church to do this every year. It's a risk to go to a school and say, give us 25 families or uh, give us your poorest kids and, uh, and then maybe not have enough toys or to say we're going to have gifts for the parents. Maybe we don't get them. It's a, it's a big risk. It's a big risk to put it on and maybe not get enough volunteers. It's a risk to um, have people on campus. It's a risk to have a bounce house. Okay, just so you know. Uh, and so all these different things. It's a risk. Like, you know, we're all getting along. But what happens if we're in the same room volunteering together and I decide, you know what? I really don't like the way you're doing that. And now all of a sudden there's tension that where there used to be this great relationship. Now there's tension. There's a, there's a risk there. What if your expectations aren't met? There's a risk there. But at the end of the day, when we're all packing it up and we put away our last letter to Santa... There's so much joy about accomplishing that. And I'll bet that some of your greatest joys have come from some of your greatest risks. 
When I was a junior in high school, I made this horribly scary risk to ask a girl out on a date. And it's been my greatest joy. Some of you have taken the risk of adopting or having a child. And that greatest risk has turned into one of your greatest joys. And that's my point for this morning. Our greatest joys are often tied to our greatest risks. And so in order to receive the joy of the Lord, maybe we need to risk more for the Lord. If the Lord says, I have this joy to give to you, and it's going to be through this process, maybe it would be a good idea to risk it and go through that process. If the Lord is telling you, you need to stay with your spouse, at the end of the tunnel, there'll be joy. Maybe it would be a good idea to stay with your spouse. If the Lord is talking to you about taking a risk in your finances, and again, uh, you know, it's always difficult for a pastor to talk about finances, um, I guess. Uh, But if you truly believe that giving uh, back to God what he has already given to you brings you joy, uh, then you just talk about it because that's what happens. But if that's truly it, then maybe it's time to risk with our finances. So I'm going to do something different. I've never done this before. I'm going to teach out of the same uh, text, just for a little part first, that I taught out of just three months, just in November. Um, but I'm gonna, we're going to look at it from a different perspective. And this is why it says the word of God is living and active and sharper than two-edged sword. Because you can, we could preach the same, the same text five times in a row. and We'd get something different each time. That's why we read our Bibles, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so let's go look at this. We're, we're talking about where Jesus is sending out the 72 disciples. And, and he sends them out with this specific uh, context. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That's how he starts it out. Now, if I were selling you something, <laughs> if I were asking you to do something, if I were asking you to volunteer for something, I would never, ever, ever start it out this way. I would say something like this. Hey, not go. Hey, what's up? Have you been? Yeah. Oh, man. I just remembered something. We, yeah, it's just this tiny little thing that we need. I was wondering if really it's too hard. Oh, you know what? Don't worry. I don't, that's okay. Fine. Bye. That's what I would do. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I know what's at the end of the tunnel. It's going to be great. First of all, you're going to be the lambs and there's going to be some wolves. I was going to put a funny picture up, but it was too distracting. Uh, But this is, this is his part. This is going to be a risk right on the face of it. He says, I'm sending you out. Don't take a purse, a bag, or sandals. Now, if you told me, John, I'm sending you into a situation. You're the lamb. There's going to be wolves. I'm like, okay. Well, then I need to get prepared. I need to be prepared for what's going to happen. Maybe I need to learn more. Maybe I need to work out more. Maybe I need some type of weapon. Maybe I need, you know, to be able to run fast. Like, like what is it? How do you combat a wolf, right? And so I would normally gather all the things I need for whatever it is he's asking me to do. And he says, no, 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 no. We're going to do the opposite this time. No purse, no bag, no sandals. So for that little kid who wanted the Gucci bag or whatever, ah, sorry, Santa says no. 
And then he says this, and it's going to be awkward. Don't greet anyone on the road. Like, so now are you not only unprepared, you're socially awkward. Like, this is how risky it's going to be. Lambs among wolves, no purse, bag, or sandals, and you're going to be socially awkward. You're going to be intent on your purpose. In other words, I don't want you talking to somebody and telling them what you're doing, and they're going, well, why are you doing that? And then all of a sudden you get sidetracked, and you don't, you got to accomplish this. You got to accomplish this. He says, uh, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house, which is, I don't know if that's what they did back then, but he's now instructing them like what to do. And so maybe you go to a house and maybe it's like really weird and you're just like, oh man, he told me to say peace to this house. This is just not, and he said, do it. Just go ahead and do it. Then he says this, if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. In which case you're like, what is going on? Lambs among wolves, no purse, bag, or sandals. I can't talk to anybody on the way. I go into this house and I say peace. And if, it, if there's somebody of peace, it'll, come, it'll rest on them or come back to me. He says, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, which, which could absolutely result in them uh, violating their purity laws. What if they're eating bacon? In that case, you stay for the whole year is what I'm saying. But for them, that was a big deal. Eat whatever they give you. The worker is worthy of his wages. And then he says this, and you could imagine what they would have said to him. Heal the sick who are there. Now, up until this time, Jesus did all the healing. Jesus was the healer. Their job was to walk around with Jesus and go, whoa, awesome. Did you see that? John, are you writing this down? You know, like, are you getting all this? That was their job. And to like sit and go, Jesus, what did you mean by that? I have no idea what you're talking about there. It was like to be a student and let the teacher kind of show off. You just go and jot stuff down and go, wow. And he's going, no, no, no. Here's what you're going to do now. You're going to go heal. You're going to be the ones to take the risk. And he moves on. He says, uh, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. So, These people are completely vulnerable. Completely vulnerable. What a great risk. Odds are stacked against you. Totally unprepared. You got to be a little bit socially awkward. You might have to violate some purity laws. You might have to try to heal somebody. Which I don't know about you, but I I would make my hands sweat. Okay. And you got to tell them. You got to preach, essentially. The kingdom of God has come near you. What are you going to do with it? Watch what happens. The 72 returned with joy. Your greatest risk will often be the source of your greatest joy. And maybe if you're not experiencing the joy of the Lord, you're not risking enough. Now, we don't risk just to risk. I don't take my tithe money and go to Vegas and go, it's all going on black and whatever happens, happens, right? We don't risk to risk. We risk out of obedience. And so 
I'm not just saying go risk more, go be socially awkward, go do that. But when God is calling you to do something, when God is calling you to sacrifice something, when God is calling you to go somewhere and do something, at the end of that, while there might be suffering and uncomfortable things happening in the process, you have the ability to return with joy. Let's just show again this risk. Odd stacked against you, no wallet, no spare shoes, awkward conversations, eat whatever, fear of failure. What if you pray for somebody with this healing, you've already eaten all their food, and now nobody gets healed? It's scary stuff. And watch what he says. This is just captivating to me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Now check this out. Jesus never mentioned anything about demons, did he? So all of a sudden, in the process of this risk, they're learning more and more about what it means to walk in the authority of Jesus. And so now, it's like, we heal the sick, and all of a sudden, demons show up, and it's like, well, he didn't say anything about demons, but I kind of see a pattern here, so let's give it a whirl, (laughs) right? And they come back and they go, that was awesome. I wonder if it's 72 and he invited 144. You ever think about that? What about those? Because we see it many times in scripture where Jesus calls somebody and they're like, no, thank you. It's too difficult. One time Jesus had a bunch of crowds, lots of crowds and He's just like, man, they're just not, no, they don't get it. They're coming for food. They're coming for comfort. They're coming for healing. And he steps up and he goes, hey, I just want, just want to set some ground rules. Unless you want to um, um, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And they all leave. <laughs> well, m- many of them do. And they missed out because they weren't willing to risk. They weren't willing to stick around and go, what do you really mean? He turns to the disciples and he says, what about you guys? And the disciples, Peter, in one of his great things, he looks at Jesus and he goes, where are we going to go? What, you have the words of eternal life. Like what, 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 I've already experienced the joy. I'm just looking for the next risk. One of the things risk, Peter risked was his life. He steps out on the water for the rest of his life, he can tell that story of, ah, I only lasted three steps, but I walked on the water, <laughs> right? I mean, you'd just be like, imagine, he's going through life and he ends some, gets into some trials. And he's like, this ain't nothing compared to walking on water. Because his greatest risk became his greatest joy. And I would say to you, our greatest ri- our joys are often tied to our greatest risks. So what is he asking you to risk? Your time, your talents, your money, being humble, forgiving somebody. Ooh, that's risky, isn't it? What if they get away with it? And you got nothing but your pain. Oh, if you meet anybody who's forgiven... And they're on the freedom side of that. It's great joy. It was a great risk. There's no doubt about that. But it's great joy. So let's switch to Christmas real quick. And look at another group of people that risked. So 
we're in the Christmas story now in Luke, and on Christmas Eve, we'll go through that, and I invite you to Christmas Eve. It's a real intimate setting. It's candlelit, and we uh, end the, at the end, we get to light stuff on fire, uh, and so that's cool. Uh, no, we, we, have a, we light our candle, and we sing Silent Night together, and uh, all the lights are low, and it's really beautiful. It's a great time to invite your family. The service is an hour long, and uh, we got some really beautiful music schedule for that too. So uh, it's just going to be really calm. <laughs> it's going to be really calm and fun. So uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to go. So, uh, but one of the texts that we'll be reading out of is this, the, the shepherds are in the fields. And if you understand the context of the day, shepherds were not uh, valued people. Okay, this society that they were in um, was uh, very unfair. The uh, rich people were the honored people. They were the most important people. And then you've got the, you know, the tiers. And everybody knew where they were on the tiers. Okay, and the bottom tier was shepherds. And just like my Jesus does or my God does, he decides, he looks at the tiers and he goes, no, no, too confident, too much in control. Uh, no, oh, shepherds. I think we'll, we'll start there. So the angel shows up to the shepherds. Not, the, not somebody's blog, not the king, not anybody else. Shepherds. They have the most to lose. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. Which again, as we've said, angel 101. First thing they teach an angel. When you meet a human... Lead with that. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Good news, great joy, all people. This is the heart of God. That it's good news that brings up great joy for every single person. If you are in the sound of my voice or watching on Facebook right now or watching online later on, you qualify. No matter what's your past, no matter what's your present, it's good news for great joy for all people. And maybe you might feel shame or feel whatever, you're not experiencing that joy. And maybe your risk is to lay that down. I have no idea, but this is what the angels are asking for. And he goes on today. Uh, I think it was a he. Uh, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, which is great risk. Because they're in an occupied country. And Messiah means that he was going to deliver them out of this occupied country. And the only thing they knew was that would happen through, uh, through fighting, through war. Through having to go into battle. Okay. And then he says this, this will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. What in the world? A baby? Messiah. This makes no sense at all. The risk, the tension is beginning to mount. Because why would you ever go and find a baby? If the Messiah comes, we're going to know. Big arms, big dude, sword probably, big horse, okay, like ready to lead, leader, like how, how we would define a leader, which is what got Israel in, in trouble in the first place, by the way. They picked the biggest guy. Got to pick small people. I've been saying this all my life. Uh, and he says, suddenly a great company 
of heavenly hosts appear with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, what happens next, we've read in the story a lot, but once you get historical context and kind of understand what is going on, the shepherd, this is a ridiculous, they're talking among themselves and the conclusion they come to is ridiculous. They said this, while the angels had left them and gone into heaven, which I don't know how that happened, but that would have been awesome to watch. Like, I don't know if they just disappear or if they were just like, you know, and you're just like looking. Can you still see them? I can still see them. Oh, man, I can't see them anymore. Like, I don't know what, what that's like. That's probably what I would have done. Here's what they say. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Okay, let me, let me just give you an idea. <clears throat> Let's say your boss Let's you drive his car. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the car. I want you to take it to the mechanic and get an oil change. Then I want you to take it to uh, the car wash and get it washed. And I want you to bring it back. And you say, no problem. And so you drive the car to the mechanic. You and your buddies. Maybe he's got three cars. And uh, you're all sitting there. And an uh, angel comes up and says, hey, man. There's a Messiah's going to be born in Vegas <clears throat> you'll, you'll know because it'll be a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And you and your buddies, your co-workers, go, hey, let's drive the boss's car to Vegas. This is how audacious this is. Let's just take all the sheep and go to Bethlehem. You, you don't do that, okay? You have certain land that the sheep graze on. It's the boss's sheep. You're, you're in control of those sheep. That is your job. And they go even farther, <laughs> Crazier. So they hurried off. Where are the sheep? You don't hurry off with sheep. Okay? I don't know if you've ever been around sheep, no sheep. Sheep aren't the brightest. You're not just like, okay, sheep ready? On your mark, get set. They don't, they don't do that. You don't hurry off. The, I believe, the Bible doesn't say it, they left the sheep. That is a huge Huge risk because of the great joy for all people. And so they hurry off. They, found, they hurry off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. In other words, they admitted they left the sheep. They're like, yeah, man, it's great. Man, these angels came, and so we just left and came to Bethlehem. The first question you ask a shepherd, well, who's taking care of the sheep? Ah, I don't know. This is great news. Isn't it great news? That is a huge risk the shepherds make. But when you encounter God, sometimes you look a little loopy. Sometimes you look like you're not, like that wasn't the great, I don't think that was a good idea. Oh, man. Is great. Sometimes you'll sacrifice things that your friends will go, I don't know if that was such a great idea. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And Mary treasured these things, pondered these things in her heart. Look what happened. The shepherds returned to the sheep. Apparently, none of the wolves have gotten to them. Glorifying, God, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were told just 
as they had, uh, which, is, uh, which were just as they had been told. Man, they took a risk. I think for me, uh, probably the way this played out the most in my life and uh, Lisa's life, most of you know our story, but it's my story and it's just a big part of who I am, is uh, we were working in business. I'd gotten a big promotion and raise and uh, I loved the company. I loved the people. I loved my house. I loved everything. But God had called us to something different. God has called us to possibly leave all that and go into full-time ministry. And so there were some other churches that had popped up. And we're just like, I'm just like, I'd walk on campus and be like, nope, this isn't it. And then secretly, because I'm super spiritual, I'd be like, I tried and it didn't work out. So I get the points and I didn't have to sacrifice anything. So it actually worked out really nice for me. Hey, you want me to be honest or you want me to like make up stuff? Okay. So that happened. There's another church. There's a church plant and all this kind of stuff. And then uh, most of you know the story. Uh, We were offered this church, drove up on the parking lot, and God didn't say no. And so that was the, it hit me for full, like, this is it, dude. This is it. You're going to do it? Of course, Lisa was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Let's just do it. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't, we don't know how much we're getting paid yet. Like, you don't know anything. So we just go through that whole process. And I, I have to say, that great risk has been one of the greatest joys in my life and in Lisa's life. The relationships we've made, the things we've done as a church family, the new people who've come, the people who've gone to go on to do great things. All these connections that we have now in the kingdom of God. All these families that we've gotten to know. People we've gotten to pray for. People that we've married. People that we've buried. People that we've seen healed. People that we've seen be released from addiction. People that we've seen grow up. Marriages that we've seen restored. I had a great job. I'd give it up tomorrow again. Knowing what I know now. Because that great risk has turned into great joy. So let me ask you again. As the worship band comes back up. Is there joy you're missing out on because you're missing out on risking something? Is there something that God wants from you? Something that he wants for you? And he says, look, this is going to be the road you're going to have to travel to get there. And you look at the road and you look at the lambs versus wolves. And you look at the... uh, Um, the whole part of it. And you just go, man, I don't know. I don't know how many people were invited when the 72 came. I have no idea. And so what we're going to do is we're going to finish with a song. And uh, at this point, we, um, uh, we don't take an offering like formally, but at this point, we, um, uh, if you've, give at this time you'd prepare your offering we're really concerned about those connection cards we like to get one from every uh, family uh, from every household uh, because we use it to follow up and it's it's really helps us a ton Um, and we also love praying for those prayer requests and so um, if you have anything you're going through maybe it's a risk that you know God wants you to take and you're scared and you're like I just need strength to make this decision to take this first step And so 
uh, we, we do that. And what I'd love for you to do is be, take this time to just pray to God and ask Him, Lord, is there something I'm missing out on? As we sang and we closed our eyes and we said, man, I give you all of me, all of my heart. Do you know what that thing was? Maybe you just get the strength to be able to take that first step. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you that, that you call us to risk, that you call us to something that's not safe. And Lord, at the end of that, it's, not, it's for joy. It's for it's like jumping out of a plane, joy. When we set our feet on that land. We just so glad I did it. Lord, as we take these steps in our lives that you've asked us to take, and at the other end of it, after obedience, we say, I'm so glad I did it. I pray you give us the strength to do that. But first, Lord, we need to identify those things in our lives. I pray you'd help us do that. In your name, amen. 